hello, and thank you for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church Maryville here in Maryville, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can visit our website to find out more information about our church or to find our full audio archive with all of our messages. So you can find all of that at www.vineyardchurch.us, or you can also subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Everyone keeps saying Christmas is a week away, and I'm just like, I. as of yesterday, guys, I hadn't like baked a cookie or wrapped a gift, and if you know me, I know it's very, I know, right? It's very upsetting. We have a lot to do, but that's, that's okay. That's what this week is for. It'll be so much fun. Lots to do, so little time, but so much fun, um, but that reminds me of all the, like, the craziness that is going on. That is why it is so important that we celebrate Advent. Like, I'm, I'm appreciating appreciating that even more this year than ever because I feel like the busier we are the more grateful I am to come to church and to like sit still and like remember why we're celebrating what we're celebrating and so so this is the fourth week of Advent and the topic is love the topic is God's love which is perfect because Christmas is 100% about God's love for us that's what it is all about. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So like the whole reason that Jesus came in the first place on Christmas morning, he came because God so loved the world, because God so loved you. The Christmas story is a story of God's love for you. And if you let it, it can be the greatest love story of your life. It can be the greatest love story. Now, um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. However, to start, I'm going to first tell you a little bit about how Aaron and I got together and about our love story, okay? So a lot of you have probably heard of bits and pieces, you know, throughout your years here or whatever, um, but I'm really going to get to share kind of like more of the story and more of like the fact that there's really one consistent, important thread in our story that really made it all happen. And it's really what has meant the most to me over the years. And that's the fact that Aaron pursued me. You see, like, before Aaron, I had a very long history of crushes, right? Crush after crush. And you all know what crushes do, right? They crush you. That's right. You guys are, have so much wisdom. That was the story of my life. Um, and so by the time I met Aaron, I was a senior in college, and I was completely over it. I was over guys altogether. I was done with crushes. I was done with the games. I was just done. And I'm about to graduate, and I'm about to go in ministry, and that's like where my focus is, and everything else was dumb to me. So I meet Aaron my senior year, and I knew he's like a good guy, but I also knew that Aaron was like a huge flirt. Yes, he was. And seriously, I was in no mood. I was just in no mood. Um, I remember him saying early on, like, hey, like, you should call me sometime. And I was like, no. I was like, you can call me if you want. Like, uh, and so he did, though. He got my number. He called. We talked. He called again. We talked more. We started having really great talks, but I was still like, eh, I don't know. Um, I'm just not in the mood. Um, so then he would, he would invite me to go out and to study. And one time he asked me to mentor him in youth ministry. I don't know. So, like, this is the story of my life. And I'm like, okay, I don't know. We're studying. We're hanging out. And then a couple of times he would invite me to hang out. And um, I still thought things were going well, but I was, like, really, really skeptical. And I was trying to look at every flag. And, guys, there were flags. There were flags. Like, one time we went to Subway because, you know, we're poor college kids. 
and he orders, it's his idea, and he orders a sandwich, and I just am behind him, and I just get a drink, and he doesn't even pay for my drink. It's like a dollar, and I'm like, okay, he's clearly saying, like, we're just friends. You know what I mean? Like, he's, like, over the top telling me how much this is not a thing in this moment. I'm like, okay, fine. Worse yet, like, a day or two later, we're hanging out, and he gets out his guitar and plays a love song. What is happening right now? Like, this is, I'm like, he might be the biggest player I have ever met, okay? But I don't know what any of that meant to him. I'm telling you, the whole thing was crazy, and I was not in the mood. Um, But Aaron kept showing up, and he kept showing up, and then he made the ultimate move that changed everything. What happened was we were in college in Tennessee, but I'm from Florida, and my grandfather, who I was really close to, passed away. And so I was getting ready to go to the funeral and leave for the weekend. And it was a nine-hour drive. And I've done that all by myself a whole bunch of times. But I was, so I was getting ready to go to the funeral. And Aaron shows up. And he insists that he comes with me. And I'm like, what now? Like, he invites himself onto this trip with me. And he doesn't just invite himself, but he insists that he come. And he's like, I don't want you to be sad. And I don't want you to make this trip by yourself. And so I'm going to come. And he came. He came. Uh, he came, and this was all his idea. He came with me all the way on that trip. He made every effort to come with me, to be with me, to spend time with me, uh, and to get to know me, to get to know my family. And at the end of that trip, he made, he made another move. He, like, put his arm around me, and then a little bit later, he, like, held my hand. And, like, we've been together ever since. Like, that's our love story. Aaron pursued me. Thank you. We can clap. He is, like, hiding now. He thinks I'm not mean enough. Uh, he, but he bought a ring. He proposed. We ended up in a long-distance relationship, so he even found a way to graduate early um, to be with me. And not only that, he actually um, chose to move to Florida to be with me. I was a youth pastor at the time, and here he is, fresh out of college, can't wait to do ministry, can't wait to get his life and career started, and he put all of that on hold so I could fulfill my dream and my calling. He did all of that for me. It was huge. It was huge. So I feel like that like summarizes our like whole love story was that Aaron was pursuing me, Aaron coming all the way to me, Aaron making a way to be with me, Aaron making sacrifices for me, and that laid a really strong foundation for our marriage. Like after all of that, it's like, of course I love this guy. Of course I trust him. Of course I want to be with him. Of course I would follow him anywhere. Now, the reason I tell you all of that today is because as we celebrate God's love, what I want you to see is that God's love is a pursuing love. Just like Aaron pursued me, Jesus pursues you even more. Now, you might be thinking like, Sharon, that is too weird. Like you have watched one too many Hallmark movies and this comparison is just, it's just too weird. But here's the deal. It's not weird at all. Like Ephesians 5.25 says, husbands, Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Because husbands are like supposed to love their wives the same way Jesus loves us. It's supposed to be an earthly example of how much Jesus loves us. And so the fact that I can make that comparison is a, like a huge blessing in my life. And I know that. And I know a lot of people can't. Uh, you can't make that comparison. That's not their, your story. But seriously, just like everything else, like God... Um, fills the gap for you. Jesus fills the gap for you. You know, he fills the gap in when our earthly fathers let us down. He fills the gap when our spouses let us down. He fills the gap. But here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that 
God's love story could be the greatest love story of your life. And no matter how great your earthly love story is, there is no match for the love that God has for you. There is just no match for that. God loves you. He sees you. He pursues you. He's been pursuing you for a long time. In fact, that is why he came on Christmas. That is why he came to Christmas. That's what the story of Christmas is all about. Christmas is all about how Jesus came all the way to us. He loved us. He pursued us. He came all the way to us. That's what Christmas is about. I mean, think about it. God, the Son of God, became the Son of Man just so that he could be with you, just so that he could show us how much he loves us. He stepped off of his throne. He stepped into the darkness. He came all the way to us. That is a really beautiful thing. Here's another love story. It's a fictional love story I'm going to read. You can read it with me on the screen. Um, And it was also written to illustrate what Jesus did for us. All right, you can follow along. This story, it says, A prince wanted to find a maiden suitable to be his queen. One day while running an errand in the local village for his father, he passed through a poor section. As he glanced out the windows of the carriage, his eyes fell upon a beautiful peasant maiden. During the ensuing days, he often passed by the young lady and soon fell in love. But he had a problem. How would he seek her hand? He could order her to marry him, but even a prince wants his bride to marry him freely and voluntarily and not through coercion. He could put on his most splendid uniform and drive up to her front door in a carriage drawn by six horses. But if he did this, he would never be certain that the maiden loved him or was simply overwhelmed with all of the splendor. The prince came up with another solution. He would give up his kingly robe. He moved into the village, entering not with a crown, but in the garb of a peasant. He lived among the people, shared their interests and concerns, and talked their language. In time, the maiden grew to love him because of who he was and because he loved her first. Again, this story illustrates what Jesus did for us. It's completely mind-blowing to me that, that Jesus like stepped off his throne, humbled himself, became just a servant, just a man, just a baby, just so he could be with us just so he could like get on our level and pursue us in a way where we could see him and recognize him and experience his great love for us. Like, and just like in this story, God could have made us all love him, but everyone knows that love that is forced is not love at all. And so instead he chose to come all the way to us, to pursue us, to make the ultimate sacrifice for us so that we could know his great love and choose to love him back. 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. Now, our relationship with God is only possible because he started it. Our relationship with God is only possible because he loved us first. This is a big deal. Uh, This is a big deal. We need to understand that he loved us first and that his love is sincere and it's consistent, right? He is not playing games with you. He is not waiting for you to make the first move or make the right move. He's not even asking you to meet him halfway. He loves us so much that he came all the way to us. That's what Christmas is all about. And this is so important. The reason this is so important is because this is what sets Christianity apart from every other religion in this world. Like if you look up every other religion and what it takes for them to reach their whatever, their salvation, their eternal whatever, if you look all of that up, it will tell you that every other religion is about man pursuing God. 
or it's about man trying to get to God or trying to reach God or trying to earn, you know, their way to God or earn salvation of whatever kind. But Christianity is totally different. Christianity is about how God came to us. It's about how God pursued us. It's about how God did all of the work for us. We didn't do anything to deserve God's love or earn our salvation. We didn't do anything because we couldn't, right? Like we would never be able to make ourselves holy enough. We would never be able to wash ourselves clean enough. We can't get to God in our own effort or, or like reach God on, in our own merit, like our sin has separated us from a holy God so much that it was impossible for us to get to him. So God sent Jesus all the way to us. John 3, 16 and 17, the whole, the whole bit here is, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it through him. You guys, Christianity is not about earning, and it's not about deserving. It's not about achieving. It is 100% about receiving. That's what it is. It's totally about receiving. We say that Christmas is not about the gifts, but it is. It's totally about the gifts. It is totally about receiving the gift of God's love and the gift of salvation. Christmas is completely about the gifts. And here's the thing. If we say things like, oh, it's better to give than receive. And I'm like, that, actually, Jesus said that. <laughs> I'm like, that's actually true. But on Christmas, it is better to receive. I think it's so much easier to uh, give gifts and to get wrapped up into like, you know, all the stuff and all the giving and making it all happen and all that kind of stuff. You know what Jesus wants? He just wants you to sit and receive. He's like, Christmas is about receiving. It's about receiving my love for you. It is about receiving this gift of salvation that I want to give you. Not because you deserve it, because, but because I love you, which is the whole point. Gifts are given out of love, right? Not out of merit. I just recently wrote one of the like devos in a um, Vineyard USA Advent devotional thing. And I was reflecting on my childhood Christmas, which was always like very picture perfect, like had this lovely Christmas. Our family really did it up at Christmas. And those are all my memories, all good and happy and wonderful and warm. And, and then I asked my parents about Christmas and they loved it too, all the good things. But they remember something different. They remember that that was the time when my brother and I fought all the time. And they were the ones who were like, we can't wait for school to get started. And all this, like, they were just like, oh, you guys would wear us out. And one year they, re they resorted because they were desperate to putting an actual naughty or nice list on the refrigerator. But it completely didn't work. It totally backfired. Why? Because, one, my brother and I could not stay off the naughty list. Like, no matter how hard we tried, it was like, well, you know, like they were trying to keep us off the list, but we knew we were messing up and should be on the list, right? So it didn't work because we couldn't stay off the naughty list. And it also didn't work because they knew they, had, they were going to give us those gifts no matter what that list said. They bought, those lifts, they bought us those gifts because they loved us, not because we earned it, Right? Gifts are given out of love, not out of merit. And that's what Christmas is. Like, if you want to talk about merit, right, which we don't really want to talk about it, but if you want to talk about merit, if you want to talk about what we actually deserve, Romans 6.23 spells it out for us. It says, for the wages of sin is death. And think about that for a second, the wages of sin. So if you work a job, you earn a wage. That's what you earn. That's what you deserve. 
And the Bible says, listen, like you have sinned. And so you've earned death. Like that's not pretty. We don't like talking about that, but that's what the Bible says. Because we've sinned, we've earned death. But, comma, this is so great, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But the gift of God, it's like this is what you earn, this is what you deserve, but, 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 what I want to give you is my love. What I want to give you is eternal life. Again, gifts are given out of love, not out of merit. Romans 5.8 demonstrates this as well. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is a big deal. Like this means that Jesus loved us so much that he actually made the ultimate grand gesture. He made the ultimate sacrifice. He wanted to give us the greatest gifts all when we least deserved it. This is important. Like this is the gospel. He did all of that for us when we least deserved it. He loved us first when we least deserved it. Okay, now, I do want to talk about Hallmark movies for a second. <laughs> I have watched a few. And um, I like the, you know, the average Hallmark movie or the chick flick or the whatever. Like, usually in those movies, there is a main character, usually a female, who ends up finding love in the end, right? And this girl, what I'm noticing uh, is like, oh, man, these girls are always so, like, picture perfect. You know, they're, they're adorable. They're lovable. They're adorable. Everyone's rooting for them. Everybody loves them. Their friends and family are telling them how flawless they are and wonderful they are and how much they deserve love. And I, I, I'm starting to see this trend, and I, now I'm like, you know what? This is actually what's going on in our world today. And this is actually like a big deal that I want you to see that is going on in our world today. Our world is very similar. In today's world, everyone's telling everyone how perfect you are. Like, you're perfect. You are flawless. You be you. Don't ever change. You're perfect just the way you are. You deserve the world. You are the greatest thing. Like, it's like we're all each other's hype men, like, these days. Like, everyone's telling everyone how perfect they are. And we start to get these big heads, like, you know what? I am amazing. You know? I am amazing. I'm perfect. Like, I'm completely perfect. And how dare anyone tell me otherwise? And what's happening in our culture right now is that people all around us are starting to get legitimately mad at Christians and they're starting to like resent our faith and they're dismissing the Bible altogether. Why? It's because they want to believe that they're perfect. But the Bible is telling them otherwise. And so they have this attitude like, how dare you tell me I'm not perfect? Everyone else in this world tells me I'm perfect. You know, everyone else says it, so it must be true. But the problem is, number one, deep down, deep down, we know we're not. We know we're not perfect. Like, I have to live with myself, like, in my thoughts 24-7. I know I am not perfect. I know I am deeply flawed. Like, we know that we are, like, selfish and sinful and broken. And I know more than anyone how much I mess up and screw up and let people down. I know I'm not perfect. We know we're not perfect. Like, despite what the world is trying to tell us, despite what we're even trying to tell ourselves, we know we're not perfect. That's a problem. Number two, the second problem is that all these people who believe that they are absolutely perfect now believe that they have absolutely no need for Jesus, which really kind of makes sense, right? Right, because if you don't admit that you're a sinner, then you don't think that you need a Savior, and so they're completely dismissing Jesus altogether. Like they're dismissing Jesus, the Bible, our faith, all of it. And it's because only sinners need a savior. And so to them, Jesus was very yesterday. 
right? I don't need a savior. I'm not a sinner. I'm perfect. This is what's going on in our world today. The world is trying to declare their perfection outside of Christ, without Christ. But the truth is, this perfection that everyone is seeking only comes through Christ. It is only through Christ that we are declared perfect. The world is just trying to skip a step, you know, and not just like a step, but like the step. The world is just trying to skip over Jesus. And it's so sad to me because I feel like if everyone would just like take a minute and take an honest look at things, we would see that what the Bible tells us is true. We, we, would, we, we would see that the Bible tells us what we already know, which is that we're not perfect and that the good news is that we don't have to be. God sees all of our sins and all of our flaws, and he loves us anyway. That's the good news. There's so much freedom in that. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He's pursuing you, not the picture-perfect, adorable, flawless character on TV that we think somehow deserves love or some because they appear perfect, but for you. He came for you, the broken the flawed, the imperfect person that you are, warts and all, he came for you. He loves you. And because he loves you so much, he like jumped in front of a bus for you. Well, not really. It was actually a lot worse. He was crucified on the cross for you. All so that he could take your sin, so he could pay the wages of your sin, which is death. He did that for you. And so that he could then give you his righteousness and his eternal life, which only he deserved. And so, guys, it is in him and through him and because of him that we are now and forever declared perfect in the eyes of God. That's the gospel. And don't you think that's better? I mean, we could spend our whole lives pretending to be perfect or tricking ourselves into thinking that we're perfect when deep down we know we're not, or we can actually admit that we are sinners, admit that we need a savior, and spend our entire lives in deep gratitude to a God who loved us so much, who came and died for us to make a way to be with us forever and ever. You guys, Jesus did for us what we could not do on our own. That's what makes the gospel such good news. That's why God literally sent angels from heaven to announce the arrival of Christ, because it was a big deal. Angels from heaven literally announced that Jesus is coming. This is the Lord. This is the Savior that you've been waiting for, the Savior in which all sinners desperately need. It's one of my favorite stories of the Christmas story. It's found in Luke 2, verses 8 through 12. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. This is like one of the most beautiful scenes I think has probably ever happened. This verse 10, I bring you good news that will bring great joy for all people. Well, what's this good news? The good news is that Jesus came all the way to us. 
that, that Jesus came to be our Savior, that he came to save us, that he came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And why is this such good news for all people? Because Jesus came for everyone. He came for all people. He loves and he pursues all people. That's why it's so important. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world. That's like everyone. He loves everyone. So he gave his one and only son because he loves everyone that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This is one of my favorite things about God is that he pursues everyone, that he doesn't want anyone to perish. 2 Peter 3:9 tells us this. It says the Lord is slow in keeping his pro- the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Yes, this word repentance, it means to turn back to God. It means to come home to God. It means to love him back. So you see, outside of making him love you, making you love him, which he won't do, he is literally doing everything he can to like pursue you. You know, like he is doing everything he can to like get your attention and, and to make sure you know that he's with you and that he loves you and that he's never ever giving up on you. And he's just waiting patiently. I love this because he's like urgently pursuing you, but also being very patient. Like he's never going to give up. I will be patient. I will keep doing this until the day you finally stop and receive his love and choose to love him back. And trust me, he cannot wait for that day. He cannot wait for that day. Like, you don't have to take my word for it. We'll read it um, together. Jesus illustrates the tremendous joy, the huge celebration. Like, he literally throws a party every time one person turns back to him. Luke 15, 4 through 7, he says, If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. You guys, Jesus is like, he's giving us this picture that he is always looking, he is always searching, he is always pursuing all those who are lost, those who have run away or strayed away or those who are just trying to like keep him away. Jesus is pursuing the lost. He is pursuing you. God's love is not passive. He's not indifferent. God's love is a pursuing love. And so this week, as we celebrate Advent, we literally celebrate the greatest love story of all time. That's the love story between God and man. The question for you today is, is that your story? Is that your story? Because the truth about this great love story, that love story between God and man, the truth is that the only variable is you. You see, God already started the story. He loves you. He loved you first. He made the first move. He came all the way to you. He came down, and he's been chasing you down ever since. He's been pursuing you, and he's never going to stop pursuing you. No matter what you've done, no matter how far you've run, he will love you, and he will pursue you forever. There are no variables when it comes to his love for you. God's love for you is constant. It's consistent. It's reliable. It's unfailing, it's unconditional. The only variable in the story is you. 
So your story, it started with God, but how the story ends is really up to you. Now, as David comes up and we sort of talk about sort of the end and what we're thinking, um, I just want to say that for some of you, you are already living out this great love story. Like, for some of you, you're like, yes, like, that is my story. I do love God. He has pursued me. I love him back. I'll follow him anywhere. This is your story. You love him because he first loved you. And that is so beautiful. And I have, I have two things I just want to say to you today. I have, like, sort of two things that I hope for you today. Number one is I hope that this message today reminds you of that great love story that you have with God. Like, just like um, couples uh, will often, like, reminisce their love story on their anniversary or on special occasions, and they're looking at pictures, and they're just kind of, like, reflecting on their love, like, and it sort of makes them, like, love each other even more, like, bonds them even more. I hope that's, like, true for you today, that you're, like, reflecting on God's love, and you're like, yeah, I I love you so much. I love you so much. I want to be with you even more. I hope that does that for two. Number two, I hope this encourages you knowing that God loves and is pursuing all people, like everyone around you, everyone around you. I hope it encourages you knowing that God will never give up pursuing the people that you love because they're the people that God loves. And God's not going to give up on them, and you shouldn't either. Like, know that God is constantly revealing himself to them. Know that a part of us joining him and at, this, at work in this world is just being a part of that, helping people see and experience God's love for them. A big part of that this week might be you just, like, extending an invite to, like, our Christmas Eve services. Like, culturally, we don't have a lot left, but Christmas Eve's still one of them, right? Where people, like, who don't go to church will, like, maybe say yes to going to church on Christmas Eve because it's like what you do. So invite someone. Invite someone. Maybe that is all part of how God's pursuing the person that you know. Now, for those whose love story is still open-ended to where it's still just about God pursuing you, but you have yet to turn to Him, there are three things I hope for you today. Number one, I hope that you will see that God's love is good news for you. It's good news for everyone. It's good news for all people. God came to save the world, not condemn it. It is good news. Number two, I hope that you hear the truth that God does not expect you to find your way or earn your way. He doesn't even ask you to meet him halfway. God has come all the way to you. He came to you. He's been pursuing you. All you have to do is like be willing to open your eyes and start to see him for who he is. And here's the thing, like, I, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. Like, maybe you feel like I did when I met Aaron, where you're just, like, skeptical and jaded and, like, not in the mood and people have let you down and you're over it. I get it. But God is different. God's love is constant. It's consistent. It's reliable. You can trust it. And finally, my hope for you is that you will decide. You will decide to, like, stop running, stop hiding, stop keeping him out of dif- distance, and you will decide to, like, receive his love this Christmas and choose to love him back. That's what my hope for you this Christmas is, that this Christmas will be more about receiving than giving for you, that you will sit and receive what God has for you. Because this this love story between you and God, it could be the greatest love story of your life. Again, I don't know how it ends, but I do know how it begins. He loves you. He loved you first. 
So as we go into our time of Selah, where we just sort of take a pause, um, we bow our heads and we turn to the Lord. Let's do that together. God, as we go into this time, Lord, I know I've been doing a lot of talking, but right now, Lord God, I pray that you would speak to each and every individual here. It's so beautiful that just like you came all the way to us on Christmas, you come all the way to us every time we ask. Your presence is with us. You are with us. God, will you please speak to us and minister to us and show us all the ways that you have loved us, all the ways that you have been pursuing us. God, help us recognize, like, that you've been pursuing us our whole lives. At every turn, Lord, you've been there. That, Lord, you've never given up. God, I pray that there are people in this room that would just be tired of running. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would help them turn to you. Receive your love right now in this moment. They would have the courage to see you for who you are. That they would receive your love and that they would choose to love you back. <laughs>